Hello, and welcome to Automotive Insights Refinish. Um, welcome to our podcast. My name is Graham Trofall. Uh, I am Global Key Account Manager within Vehicle Refinish from Axel Nobel. I'll uh, just take a moment just to, um, if you don't know who Axel Nobel are, I'll explain a little bit more about us very briefly, and then I'll introduce you to our uh, special guest for today, who's going to be giving us some expert opinion on the automotive sector. Um, so Axel Nobel, we are a very well-established um, paint and coatings organization, been around since 1792, <clears throat> so quite a lot of history there. We have a world-class portfolio of paints and coatings and brands which you may recognize, which are such as Dulux, International, Interpon and Sickens. Um, very uh, well-established, headquartered in the Netherlands and we're active in over 150 countries and employ 33,500 very talented and committed people. Um, I'd like to welcome you now over to our uh, special guest for today, who is Anna-Marie Baisden who is Head of Autos and Research at Fitch Solutions. Anna-Marie, if you could just introduce yourself and give us um, a couple of sentences on uh, Fitch Solutions. Sure, thanks, Graham. Um, so at Fitch Solutions, we provide data research and analytics to support informed decisions for our clients. Um, and we aim to help them excel at managing their credit risk um, and offering insight into debt investment markets and providing comprehensive intelligence also about the macroeconomic environment. Fantastic. Short and sweet. <laughs> Excellent. So it's safe to say you guys um, well well known across the OEMs and the automotive sector for your data and for understanding and forecasting trends. I imagine 2020 has been a very uh, challenging year for anybody doing <laughs> forecasting in your area. So I imagine you've been pretty busy recently, yeah? So what are you seeing at Fitch Solutions in terms of your sort of global outlook? Well, as you said, this is unlike anything we've seen before um, and forecasts are a little bit of a movable feast at the moment. Um, we we expect to see global vehicle sales decline around 18%, which is absolutely unprecedented, certainly for the time I've been covering the industry. And, you know, even if we compare it with something like the global financial crisis, which was the last time we, we saw a major crisis impact in the industry, sales only fell by four or five percent. Um, and when you listen to people in the industry, they're saying, well, we could at least still operate during the crisis. You know, we were still able to keep manufacturing. There were still some people out there buying. But in in the case of uh, the coronavirus pandemic, which is obviously one of the bigger drivers of this this downturn, um, the, the industry would just put on hold for, for months at a time. So that is the the key driver of what's happening. Although I'd say it's not the only thing, you know, there were some countries that were already looking quite weak um, before the pandemic. So you look at India facing problems with the shadow banking sector, which cut off finance for a lot of people there who might want to buy a car. Um, you look at the low oil prices that's impacting the economy for markets in the GCC and sub-Saharan Africa. So it's there are a lot of challenges for the industry. It's not all coronavirus related. Um, but I think it's it's come as a, a shock for the industry because last year was already quite weak and everyone was looking forward to a bit more of a stable year this year. And that is definitely not the case. Mm. Yeah, I think that's very true, actually. I think, we, you know, when we talk about a lot of this, 
sort of recent negativity that's created by the uh, COVID-19. And this is not going to be COVID-19 heavy, we promise you, um, because I think it's been done to death by now. Um, But I think, you know, quite honestly, you know, there was lots of things already happening. Yeah, lots of trends already moving forward. And, And when we look at this, you know, some of the big... The, the big buzzwords in automotive that we're all very familiar with were things like, you know, mobility, digitalization, you know, the alternative uh, shift towards electric vehicle, uh, more customer expectation. You know, these were really starting to impact the industry. But I think we probably forecast that we were always future gazing quite quite some way in the distance. And I think perhaps, you know, if anything, I think what we can see so far is that you know, it has just accelerated some of that change. Is is this sort of what you're seeing at Fitch? Absolutely. Um, you know, I've dialed into a lot of interesting webinars over the last few months, um, which in itself has been has been great. You've got that insight from people in the industry that you perhaps wouldn't have been able to get before because everyone's at home. Mm-hmm. They're able to do these things and able to listen to them. And the story, particularly from the dealer side, is that it really forced them to innovate um, because they need to get the attention of these customers. They need to hang on to them before they either decide to put off a purchase or to go somewhere else Um, and a lot of purchasing decisions have come down to um, a dealer's platform or the OEM's platform. so we've seen a big uptick in online sales also in the second-hand car market um, you know that it's economically um, quite weak for a lot of people out there and they have to go to the second-hand market and we've seen a lot of interest in these um, second-hand platforms like Kazoo in the UK, Carvana in the US and not just from consumers but you know a lot of money coming in from investors as well um, seeing that this is a real opportunity. So um, as you say a lot of these things are being accelerated and we're also seeing some things completely flipped you talked about mobility and for a long time there was this narrative that we're moving away from private car ownership we're moving towards ride sharing and um more public transport different forms of public transport and actually because of the pandemic people are saying i want my own car that's going to be more of a safe space for me and this is where we're seeing this this big uptick in perhaps more second-hand car sales as well if that's what people can afford um so acceleration of a lot of trends and also some being completely turned on their head yeah i think uh, i agree with this and i have sort of read many many sort of articles recently about this sort of increase in used car sales you know that doesn't seem to be very specific to you know one region as such it seems to be that yeah everybody's sharing the same concern around you know social distancing and actually having their own vehicle to you know use for that for mobility and i think this is you know, perhaps to some degree, this is probably quite a good positive sign. Yeah, this is a good kickstart to towards sort of moving things forward because, you know, in our sector, if I bring this really into sort of, you know, the, the, the vehicle refinish sector, you know, obviously our, our sort of customers as such are typically the OEMs and obviously the body shops, the paint and body shops. And, um, you know, they, they, they sort of look at, you know, what is the vehicle park doing? You know, typically, where do people spend their money? And there's always been this sort of slight shift towards, you know, shift away from accidents are, you know, still happening out there. But actually, the size of the accident is getting smaller, which is a very positive sign. Yeah, this is a great thing for road safety and a really good good way forward. Um, but, but you know, the, the profile of the, the repair is changing. And I think, 
you know, that's a lot to do with this vehicle that's fully loaded with all this technology, you know, that to some degree actually requires a smaller repair. The slightly older vehicle park actually required a slightly larger repair. So, you know, as a positive sign um, for, for, you know, just generally vehicles on the road and actually customers and families having more vehicles, it's actually quite a positive for, for some of our customers, you know, that actually they, this vehicle park, if it grows a little older, the spend will continue to happen. People will, you know, tend to invest into the vehicle, maybe have repairs done that, you know, these small dents and scratches that previously have been left alone, they're much more likely now to actually invest in, you know, their mobility rather than worrying about how, how they're going to get the tube or the train or, or this type of thing. So, yeah, it's interesting how mobility influences the after-sales sector, certainly the refinish market. So this is quite a quite a good sign. Um, are you seeing anything in terms of outside of mobility? Are you seeing any examples of you know innovation out there where where perhaps you know OEMs are doing something very differently to actually um, meet with the customer demand now? Because I imagine now the the customers' needs are probably changing dramatically. Yeah. So are we seeing any anything? that you see within Fitch where it's changing that sort of buying cycle or the way in which actually dealers are doing business and the OEMs are supporting them? A uh, few few different things actually and I would say it's throughout the, the customer journey if you like. So you know going back to the idea of um, you can't go out to a dealership and buy a vehicle also OEMs are facing the fact that they've got a lot of big model launches coming up that would have been big uh, boosters for sales for them and they can't do the big press events so they're having to do things a little bit differently so we've seen some YouTube launches we've seen some uh, sort of VIP online sessions for um, existing customers that kind of thing so they're already changing the way they reach out to their customers um, using social media more um, and then in terms of actually buying the vehicle, we're seeing um, financing playing a big part, which going back to the global financial crisis, this was something uh, that was used back then as well. And we're, we're talking about obviously discounts, that's played a, a huge part, I think, for a lot of um, OEMs, uh, but also longer loan terms. And this was something, again, that started particularly in North America, Western Europe, back in the global financial crisis. It makes those monthly payments smaller, so it means people are more able to afford them. Um, but of course, eventually that will start having an impact on the age of the vehicle park again, as you were referring to earlier, because people are hanging on to those vehicles for longer. Um, maybe by the time they get to the end of that, uh, that loan term they might want to hang on to it for even longer again and as you say just do some of the cosmetic changes so a lot of what's happening now is also going to continue having an impact on the industry for the years to come yeah that's good I, d I did see actually I, I, I was interested in looking at this sort of you know this new sort of virtual sort of handover process of new cars and how, um, you know, the dealer will deliver the vehicle, you buy the car online. And I think there's been, you know, I mean, car configurators have been around for a long time now. Yeah. But I think generally people have still, the behavior is perhaps changing. Yeah. Because I think people often, they wanted to go into the showroom. They wanted to go and see and touch the vehicle, sit in the vehicle. It seems to be, sort of, you know, a shift towards this sort of more digitalization of, of the car buying process. 
Is this sort of what 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 you feel is starting to happen a little bit more? Yeah, this is a, another one of those things that we thought would come eventually further down the line, because as you say, we've got the configurators, you had some OEMs that were starting to bring in some parts of the buying process online. And, you know, I think with any form of retail, people like to do a lot of research online. But we thought it was things like the actual kicking the tyres and taking it for a test drive and doing that amount of finance work online as well, that would be a real obstacle. But then when you get to a point where you don't actually have an option and you can't go into the dealership and do those things, but the dealer is able to get around that and do things like dropping a car off for a test drive, you can do all your uh, secure financial documents online. Um, suddenly a lot of those, those obstacles are removed. And I think it's been quite surprising how many people are willing to spend that amount of money uh, online because they want their car there and then they either want to get out of the city or they want to just avoid public transport and it's made things really convenient for them. So certainly we could see something um, carrying on, but I think the important thing is that we've heard dealers and OEMs alike talking about um, making the process a lot more customer centric and it's forced them to think more about the customer and their journey rather than, you know, maybe a more generic dealership experience. Yeah, and I, I would support that as well, that even in after sales, you know, and certainly in terms of looking at the process from, you, you know, looking at how, you know, booking in for a service, ordering tyres, you know, this type of routine maintenance type thing now, which is very much around online and app based. And I think, you know, a lot of OEMs seem to have shifted towards having the, the app. A lot of dealers <clears throat> have the app, so you can have that interaction with them, you know, and, and now I see far more regular, I see, see it advertised far more often that, you know, people are offering this sort of almost sort of collection delivery service, you know, with the disinfecting of the vehicle and, and giving the customer that really, that bit of reassurance really, that the car's been taken care of. I think when we look at the collision repair market, you know, what what I'm seeing is is some really major changes, quite honestly, which are very, very positive you know, and real win-win for all stakeholders. And they really sort of focus on putting the customer right at the center of the whole sort of journey and the whole experience. I mean, as you can imagine, you know, in our industry, in our sector, it's quite an upsetting experience for the customer, you know, if they have to, you know, deal with making a motor claim, you know, and subsequently quite a, can, can be a quite confusing process, you know, lots of steps to go through. I mean, people in the industry have been around it for quite a number of years. You know, we even ask them, you know, do you know what happens in a motor claim? And they say, well, hey, I, you know, I haven't had to use this for 10 years, so so I wouldn't even know who to call. So what's quite interesting is that digital is playing quite a big part in this. It's becoming quite a quite a major factor. And you can see that now, you know, motor insurers using app based sort of take the image of the damage send it through to the insurance company they direct it to the body shop body shop come and collect the vehicle um, electronic estimation of the vehicle along with digital images taken you know electronic confirmation to start the repairs the whole journey which would take several days sometimes just to get to the point where you would start the repair now can be almost sort of immediate you know, it can be within certainly 24 hours. So you imagine this sort of, you know, key to key time, this cycle time, it, it really shrinks the whole process down massively. You know, and when you think about the advantage for the customer there, they don't want to be without the vehicle. They certainly don't want to be without the vehicle for several days before it's even started. So actually the customer journey and the customer experience 
is, is massively improved by using digital. If we move on just, just quickly to um, when we look at the supply chain and, um, you know, obviously a number of people, different organisations, different stakeholders in the supply chain. How are you seeing changes to the supply chain? There is a lot going on with the supply chain right now. And it's a, it's another one of those things, really, where the pandemic just uh, shone a light on it and accelerated it even further. Um, because one thing that became clear, first off with the US-China trade war, and then again was highlighted with the, with the coronavirus pandemic, is the massive reliance on China in terms of the supply chain. So you've got companies uh, talking about trying to reorganize that supply chain, bring things closer to their end market, um, just reduce that reliance. To, I mean, we're not talking about a mass exodus. We appreciate the the advantages that China has, the scale it has. Um, so we're looking more at a reduction of reliance rather than a mass exodus, if you will. Um, so that's already facing the supply chain, you know, do, do they move? Where are the most cost effective places? That Where do they get their raw materials? All that kind of thing. And then we also have longer term themes that we were looking at, which again could start to be accelerated. So um, suppliers having to adapt to what the OEMs expect of them in terms of um, sustainability and ESG targets. Um, so we've seen OEM saying, you know, we want to know you're sourcing your raw materials from ethical mines. This is particularly something that's come up with electric vehicles, you know, and having to source lithium and cobalt. Is it being done ethically? And going back to this theme of digitization, um, this has been playing a big part in this because um, I've, I've read interesting stories about OEMs using blockchain to trace where their components and their raw materials have come from right from the mining stage. Um, and that's been a big help for them in terms of their ESG goals. Um, so the supply chain is facing so many changes at the moment. But again, I think this is, you know, the, the pandemic and other things like the trade war. It's, it's just really accelerating that process. Yeah, and I think, you know, bringing this into, I mean, obviously, as Axon Nobel, we are a, a key stakeholder in the supply chain, especially to the, um, you know, for for our sector, which is the vehicle refinish sector. And, you know, I think what we're seeing, and, and I suppose this isn't really a recent thing. I think this has been a general trend that we've seen now over several years is that, you know, customers and, and I th but I think we're going to see more of this. I, I think customers, typically the end users, the vehicle manufacturers and their, their networks of repair shops. I think, you know, it's going way beyond the product now. You know, no longer can you just be a, you know, product supplier. You know, our products are, we know that the quality is unmatched. Yeah, we know that this absolutely is, they stand any scrutiny. But, you know, where really, as a supplier, you're challenged is that the end user now needs much more support. You know, you've got to become part of their business. You've really got to play a part in helping them upskill their staff, you know, and it's not just a, a traditional training, you know, it's far deeper. It goes into much more around helping them with their business KPIs and helping them run the business and really start to play a, a real integral part. You, you become a much more partner in their business you know, to, to really help them make them more sustainable and really help them look at the longer game and, and try to support them in every way on this side. And I think this is where, 
you know, for several years, for, for looking back, we, we've we've shifted quite quickly as a forward thinking organization. You know, we talked about digitalization. We looked at things like, you know, how all of our sort of tools and equipment that we support the body shops with and the networks with, you know, they're digital. So, you know, they actually gain the benefit of this. And, and I think we're seeing now the sort of benefit of this coming through, you know, because it provides us with a lot more, um, a lot more insight into how their business runs and it gives us a lot more of a discussion point in terms of having our regular meetings with them around what do they want what do they see from their business how do we make them more sustainable for the future how do we uh, ensure that ultimately they're a more efficient business and i think you know this isn't just unique to to axon nobel or the collision repair sector i think it's i'm seeing this across the whole automotive sector especially in aftermarket you know, where other suppliers are being asked to support their customer, the, the need from them has heightened greatly. And and this isn't COVID-19 related. This is just generally businesses uh, today need a, a far greater support, you know, and I think it's just got accelerated this now. So, you know, this is what we see. Where do you um, see that, you know, the recovery will come? You know, people talk about um, things going back to normal and new normal and lots, lots of buzzwords around this. I don't really like a lot of this type of thing, but but um, what, when do you think we'll really start to see, if, if we can, any, any signs of, you know, normality coming back? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that is the first question is what, what is normal now? But uh, in terms of looking at the new sales market, as we do when we forecast, um, maybe a very mild recovery next year. But then, of course, you're looking at a very low base in terms of new sales this year. So I would say it's going to be at least a couple of years before we start to see things coming back to what we would have considered normal beforehand. Um and also you have to look at the, the the health financial health of companies because as i said they were already seeing a week 2019 um and they're trying to balance this with the fact that they've got a lot of r d spend in terms of things like electric vehicles autonomous vehicles all these things that are still yet to start making them any money um and they've got a weak sales environment to balance that with so Financial health is something we'll be looking at as well, but yeah, we, we, we could be looking at a good couple of years before completely turning this around because, as I said, it's completely unprecedented. Well, Anna-Marie, thank you very much. I think we've covered um, quite a few topics there and uh, this sort of brings this uh, podcast to an end and um, I'm sure we'll hear from you again soon. And uh, I'd like to thank you for your time and for taking the uh, the time out to share that sort of good insight into uh, what's happening globally in the automotive sector. And um, what I'd just like to say is, obviously, if um, if anybody, any of these listeners are interested in finding out a little bit more about Fitch, they can find it where? Uh, you can go to our website, fitchsolutions.com. Um, you can find white papers and all of the uh, the analysis that we've been talking about there. Fantastic. That's excellent. And of course, for Axel Nobel, uh, again, please visit our website, visit our social media channels, and um, we will share the relevant links and information when we publish the podcast on the channel. And uh, please take some time out to go and have a look at this, visit Lots of interesting information there on both Fitch and on Axel Nobel. So I'd just like to thank you for listening and uh, please stay safe. 
have a good day and uh, take care. Bye for now.